All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm looking off to the side right now. I'm just trying to get some things set up, but we're back with another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. It's a fun weekend. I know a lot of Orange County fans are excited, while a lot of Phoenix fans are maybe a little sad. But hey, we're going to talk about it. We're going to enjoy it. And then, yeah, we'll talk about the upcoming match coming out here this upcoming weekend. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. It's a one-two, Godoy, he's found a great ball in, and bolts it plenty of time, he smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead, Thomas Ennevolson. Now Segbris sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there, crosses it, Pineda, the extra pass, Seaton finishes! It rolls down to his left and parrying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on Facebook at orange and black soccer cast. How's it going? Orange County. Welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast. The first and only podcast dedicated to orange County soccer club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Joining me as he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are things going for you? It's pretty good. And um, this week I'll be taking Cameron's place of weird noises and a lot of background noise because I am at uh, Championship Soccer Stadium watching the Open Cup game between the two teams, the winner of which we'll face. So So you have a good excuse for any kind of... uh, um, extra noise going on back there. You're actually at the stadium. You're there watching, or I guess maybe scouting, who our upcoming opponent's going to be uh, in just, uh, I believe, a, a week. So uh, yeah, make sure that you're... implies that I have a lot more of a, a knowledge tactically of this game than I probably do. So, well, and there's um, two there's two games going on at, at the park too, right? You just probably can only see one of them where you're at. Um, from where I'm sitting, actually, I'm sitting. So for those of you that watch on the streams, dead across from where the cameras are. Um, so I can actually see the other game that's happening, just not very well because it is a decent bit away. But, Perfect. You know, it's not too bad. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and joining us as he's been doing all season, uh, we've got Alan. Alan, welcome back. Thanks. It is great to be here after a really big win, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how they do on the road this week. I'm excited as well. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. It was a, it was an amazing weekend of soccer for Orange County fans. I think other people were a little disappointed. Uh, some of our friends from the Sandbox out there in Arizona were a little disappointed with the outcome. But, hey, for Orange County fans, I think we enjoyed it. We had a fun time. Uh, great atmosphere at the stadium. Great festivities going on. So, a pretty amazing thing there. Uh, Dylan, uh, give me your brief thoughts on on the match. God, this phone thing is really sorry. Um, <laughs> it was a good match, and 
if I could just sum it up in like 30 seconds, we finally played to a team when it was a good idea to play to a team. And we beat Phoenix at how they like to play. Um, we forced them, we pressed them in the midfield where they like to hold possession. And that's where the majority of their success comes from. And for an hour, we didn't let them do any of that. And it really showed because they had no chances. Um, things got a little bit close later because we had some issues defending a set piece. Um, and then got a little tired or a little lazy and then um, started making some sloppy mistakes like giving up a, a free kick at the edge of the 18. Um, but I think the, the draw in Fresno and the mentality from how that game had gone was fresh in the minds of not only everyone in the stands, but everyone on the field as well because they, uh, they saw it out, which was important. I mean, it, was a good, it was a good victory. Perfect. What about you, Alan? Um, I thought the team played really well. Um, the areas of concerns that we brought up ahead of time with the speed of the offense, um, I think, you know, couple of their key players are out, which is unfortunate unfortunate, um, or fortunate for us, but unfortunate for some of the circumstances regarding uh, why some of those players are out. Um, thoughts to uh, Asante and his family. Um, but every time I thought there was going to be a counter, I looked up and there was, you know, four or five Orange County people back uh, to, you know, to play defense. Um, I thought the pressure was good up, up top. And I think when it came down to making sure there, there were guys back, there were always guys back. Um, looking at the starting lineup with Trotter and Hume, you, all, you were a little bit worried about what the speed might do against those two. Uh, but I thought the back line played a really good uh, team defensive game for a lot of it, uh, contour uh, included. And, you know, I think offensively, maybe a little bit sloppy in execution at the end, like putting some balls away. I thought they could have easily had – uh, two more goals than they ended up getting. Um, this could have easily been a blowout, um, but we got to finish up, got to work on the finishing and uh, just continue to work on that back line and particularly those set pieces that Dylan mentioned. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to our frenemies rising as one pod a little bit earlier today. They released their newest episode uh, today and their thoughts on the match, at least initially when you're listening early on to the episode is that it wasn't really that orange County won the match. It was that Phoenix lost the match, which I was a little bit hesitant to agree with on that. I know we didn't play the greatest match uh, uh, of the season well, I don't know, maybe we did, um, but it wasn't a picture-perfect match for Orange County out there, but I think Orange County did what they had to do to win. Uh, in the end, they, like you said, uh, Alan, there was probably opportunity for another one or two goals uh, if the shots are taken properly. So, uh, yeah, I, I questioned that thought process. Uh, maybe it's, maybe that the the hate is starting to get to them and, and they just have certain views of what they're seeing out there. Uh, that I, I don't think it was all that was that it was Phoenix that lost the match. I think a big part of the win was Orange County, uh, at least from what we've seen this season, Orange County looked a lot more focused in the match. Uh, when they did give up that one goal in the second half, you saw them just sort of gather together as a team. I, I, I'm, I can probably guess they were talking or someone got in there. I, I think it was Harry Forrester that initiated that, that huddle. And I think it was basically, you know, Hey, let's not do what we did last week against Fresno. Let's, Let's hold on to this. Let's get this win. Let's get the full three points out there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Dylan? I think that's that's basically spot on. I mean, that, that flash of leadership from um, from Forrester was a really important thing. 
Um, and I, I mean, I can only imagine what he said. Um, hopefully, involving removing his uh, his boots from some body part. Probably, if they had given up a, another goal in that situation. But um, despite the fatigue, I think Orange County really outplayed Phoenix. And yeah, Jason Johnson's a huge loss for them. Solomon Asante is a huge loss for them. And generally, for competition's sake, you don't want either of those things to be happening. I mean, it sucks losing your dad. And then it definitely sucks to have a, I think, what's probably a knee injury. Um, but basically, Orange County, I mean, the press in the midfield and then the only thing that Phoenix knows how to default to is what they did last year, which was try and counter. Except they don't have a Drogba to knock down those balls, so they've got an Adam John. And then they don't have a Solon Nasante or Jason Johnson to run on to those balls after they're knocked down. So it becomes hope for the Adam John and hope for the best. This sort of Big Sam, Sam Allardyce garbage. And they don't, they amazingly, Phoenix looks like less of a team than we do. And that's impressive because they seemed pretty confident of how their starting 11 is going to be. And I think Rick Schantz the last couple of weeks has kind of stopped changing things around. So it was a, it was a good victory and it's always nice when you get a victory because you've outplayed a team um, as much as it is for, because you're better than a team and salty Phoenix tears just taste <laughs> so much better. <laughs> oh yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, let's talk really quick before we get more into this match. I'm going to start with you, Alan. Let's uh, discuss these uh, new third kits that Orange County debuted in the match against Phoenix. I think even the broadcasters were a little confused with the color scheme there. I think uh, if you watch the ESPN Plus uh, feed, they mentioned that it was uh, Phoenix in their, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but typical red tops or whatever, when in fact it was Orange County that was wearing that reddish color on the pitch. Um Alan, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on those on those third kits? Uh, do you give it two thumbs up, two thumbs down, or somewhere in between? Um, I would probably put this uh, probably maybe top five kits for the from this year. Um, I mean, we talked at the match. Um, I love colored jerseys. I don't like the the. They prefer the term jerseys of color, Alan. <laughs> right. Dude, ask you to stop being so bigoted, unless they're <laughs> South African. <laughs> It's a fair Someone critique. blew the whistle on you, Alan. There. It's a foul. It's a yellow card, I think. Um, no, uh, I, it, it, it's not the official from from this past Saturday. Oh, so don't worry geez. about that. Okay, go. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of all white kits. I know that's like non traditional. Um, we have color TVs, um, so I like seeing uh, teams <laughs> engage with their color scheme. Uh, to create some some good looks. I mean, Ford Madison is probably my favorite from the year just because it's funky and cool. Um, but I was, I've always been wondering why Orange County doesn't hit that orange a little bit harder. Um, it's kind of a unique color uh, in sports and uh, well in soccer. Um, usually, you get you know the blacks and the whites and the reds and the blues. Um, that's why I liked. Um, I like Louisville's color scheme too. That purple is kind of just a unique. When you see them, you know who it is. Um, I really dig the orange kits. I think they look sharp. I think, you know, if you're Orange County, you should probably have an orange colored kit as part of your go-to. And the fact that they are not available for purchase right now is, I know for Dylan as well, is incredibly aggravating. All of us. Uh, yes. Every I, fan. I would, I would drop so much money in a heartbeat on orange kits. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a little bit reddish, especially when they got sweaty. Uh, but they need to embrace the orange. Well, it's a, it's a thing. I mean, I know we've discussed this in the past. I don't know if on our episodes, Dylan, but even just in general with other fans, the the Orange County orange it leans a little bit more to red than to actual orange. But looking at those kits out on the pitch, uh, the way they just sort of looked out there with the light shining on them, I think they looked pretty amazing. And I'm probably going to be confident saying there's going to be a good handful of uh, County Lion Coalition members and basically even other fans that are going to be looking to purchase those kits once they become available, hopefully uh, soon. I know uh, we got a little hint, but, you know, hopefully soon. Right, Dylan? Yeah, I, God, I mean, I <laughs> I have set aside money for when these jerseys are for sale. I cannot wait. It could not be soon enough. So many people are going to get them. It's just, it's really exciting that we finally have an orange kit. And yeah, I get it. It's a little bit more red than we'd like and then a proper orange. But that's a part of life. <laughs> I mean... Um, well, I think there's also, a reason you sort of look at it. Maybe it's to avoid that, that Halloween look with a orange, bright orange and black. I don't know. That's just a guess, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to do. You can't really do stripes cause you end up looking like whole city. And if you do an off orange on the other end, you look like wolves with their yellow orange. Um, the real key here is to try and look as much like Luton town as possible. Um, <laughs> because they know how to do an orange kit and they've used a couple different colors over the last three, four years, even heading into next year. Um, but he had to drop one down in there. They, I mean, they've historically worn <laughs> orange for the last uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 15 ish years, um, at home at least before then, all the time. But, um, it's actually not that difficult to pull off an orange kit. And even when they're a slightly more red or a slightly more yellow, if you wear black with them, like we do. They look amazing. It looks so, clean with the with the contrast of the orange and the black. So I, I like it. Yeah, and dudes are going to get sweaty. And honestly, yeah, it's going to look a little more red because no one in the league knows how to film anything as well. I think that's the biggest <laughs> issue is that the color balancing, especially at our stadium, is always so poor that probably six years started on cameras at our stadium, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, you know. But this is a step towards greatness for I, I think finally I th- playing in the color that our team is named and our county is named after I, I think the the orange regardless of the shade i think it's a big two thumbs up for the club uh the fans i i know just being in the stadium talking to a few fans just mentioning it anytime i mentioned you know that the fans are excited and ready to buy those jerseys the moment they become available i saw a few heads nodding as they're watching the game as they heard me saying that so uh you know that means that there's some demand for these these kits, these shirts, and they probably will sell pretty well once they become available. Hopefully, again, hopefully rather soon or sooner rather than later. Uh, let's get back into the actual action on the on the field because um, there were some good goals out there. Uh, well, there was a good penalty, which I think anytime Aiden Quinn takes a penalty, it's almost certain to go in. And then there was also a, a pretty neat goal from Michael Seaton in this match right after he came into the match he was like you know sitting on the ground basically and just sort of kicks the ball in with the bottom of his foot uh, Alan what were your thoughts on the Michael Seaton goal let's start with that one because I think that was the more fun goal to watch uh yeah I was uh 
happen to be joining the County Line Coalition over on the opposite side of the stadium uh, for that goal and uh, got my first proper smoke bomb after a goal, so it was pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, anytime you can score while you are... At this gorgeous stadium um, I, that I opened a year ago. A pretty fun goal to field. score. Uh, I watched the game back uh, a couple days afterwards. Slid just kind of scroll through and checked out the penalty and the free kick for Phoenix and that goal. I want to say it was like 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds after Seton uh, gets subbed on. He's putting the ball in the back the of the net after it. I mean, he yes, kind of sets the whole play up um, from the beginning. I think it was like a, a kick in uh, over the top. He kind of heads it down. Uh, the ball manages to find its way forward in the box, and he just happens to be like he could have been on a beach chair, like kicking it with like a, with a michelada or a, a, a another cocktail. What are those things called? Margaritas? Um, margaritas. There you go. It had like a margarita, <laughs> the mariachi band around him, kicking it off, just in, and just like tapped it across the line. That's what kind of goal that was. Um, and it's got to feel good for him again uh, to get back on the score sheet. I mean, yeah, I, it's arguably. So I rewatched that goal like three or four times, and I still can't tell if he initially makes contact or if he lets it go over him. So I think he either scored with his first or second touch of the night, um, depending on whether or not it bounced initially off of Darwin Jones in front of Zach Ludman. It doesn't get any more of a tap in Post well defended sitting on your rear keeper pulled out just, like, kicking out at something. yeah <laughs> so it was what a goal um, you know it wasn't pretty but they all came the same that's the most important thing that, that ended up being the winning goal so yeah, definitely. I know you couldn't see it while uh, while you were talking there. The highlights are playing on the feed uh, for those watching on YouTube. And right when you were speaking Carol. is when that goal sort of popped up there. You know, an amazing Carol, thing to watch. Uh, again, want to thank USL uh, Productions, USL Championship for allowing us the opportunity Phoenix has to one highlights back while and we're talking to, to get another. Uh, I know you guys don't want to just see my face or Dylan's picture or Alan's face for a full Mine's actually 60 a gift. minutes. So... Yeah, but when we're what we're doing this, it doesn't really show it as a gif or gif. Oh. That's GIF it. Some semblance of revenge from the Western well, Conference Final. Orange we'll have County has made it five months for the um, opportunity. And then they let's uh, maybe give credit where credit's due on that um, that goal because Michael Seaton came in and almost instantaneously scored it. Uh, a big part of that was what Vinicius was doing for the first what six fifty five minutes or whatever of the match, just running around like like the Tasmanian devil all over the pitch, putting the high press on Phoenix, which definitely disrupted their game plan and, and what they were hoping to do out there. Uh, so Vinicius doesn't show up on the score sheet, but I think a big part of what happened with that match and when Michael Seaton got in there with fresh energy, fresh legs, and able to just sort of use that energy and sneak by uh, maybe a tired Phoenix defense for that, that fun goal, uh, Vinicius has to get a lot of props for that. Yeah, when we talked to Braden Cloutier at the end of the match, he basically said our game plan was to put on Vinicius and tire him out because they knew that that would tire out uh, Greg Cochran and Amadou Dia of the Phoenix, the two Phoenix center backs. And that would be enough for Mike to do a lot of damage when he got subbed on. So that happened. That plan obviously worked out. And it was 
it was pretty funny to watch happen. Um, generally, you don't expect a guy, especially at this level, to score so quickly. But, uh, you know, first few touches or maybe even just his first touch, and that was enough. Perfect. And let's also not forget the penalty, which was uh, craft, craftily, craftedly. Um, Handily one. works, I think. It wasn't, I particularly, that... it wasn't clever or anything. Well, no, but Harry Forster sort of did the right thing there and, and drew that contact. He could have easily avoided it, but he did the smart thing as a player when you don't have like a super clean shot. Uh, you know, just let that defender sort of bump you off position when you're in the penalty box about to take a shot, which definitely drew that penalty. And uh, again, I said it and and Orange County fans know this. And I think fans across the USL know this. Aiden Quinn gets to that that penalty spot nine times out of 10 or maybe even 10 times out of 10. It's going into the back of the net. So props to Harry Forrester for finding a way to draw that penalty. And of course, the the ice-cold veins of Aiden Quinn for putting it in the back of the net. Uh, Alan, what, what are your thoughts on on that whole series of events there? Um, I know we've been a little bit hard on uh, Forrester uh, in general for some of his style of play, maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe it's just pressing a little too hard. Uh, but this was just like, this penalty was pure, like, just craftiness and just knowing where he was on the pitch, what the situation was. The fender was being a little bit uh, aggressive, and he just slows up ever so slightly to get that contact in the box. I mean, it's a clear pen, um, but it's just one of those, like, really smart plays that, like, a KG vet- veteran does to make sure that you get that first goal in, uh, which was, I think, really big to the confidence of Orange County. Uh, I think it uh, also, you know, Getting that first goal against Phoenix is always, you know, going to be a, a big starting point. You start up ahead, you know, it gives you a little bit of a, a buffer against that counterattack. But I, I thought it was a really cagey veteran move to just to slow up just enough to get that contact, uh, to get that penalty. And then again, Aiden Quinn. I mean, I used to be nervous when he stepped up to the spot, but this season you just you have that belief that it's going in, and if you know it. It usually does, and it's a thing of beauty to see that first goal go across. And I think it was kind of a little, uh, a big, I don't want to say a big sigh of relief, but it was just kind of like, all right, we got the first one, we're in the lead, let's uh, let's go get the get the second one. Additionally, I think I don't I I don't think I've ever seen Aiden Quinn miss a penalty. Um, one of his former teammates from Louisville tweeted, uh, two things are for certain: the sun sets in the west, and Aiden <laughs> Quinn scoring a pen. Very true, but additionally. Um, Phoenix doesn't have leadership. It's evident in the way they play. They're missing Drogba great, greatly. Um, no one's really taken that role. So they're kind of full of a bunch of guys right now, but not necessarily a good team, which is surprising because they did bring a lot of guys back. Um, but maybe most importantly in that situation, without that leadership, and they pretty quickly give up the style that they're supposed to be playing and more than that the mentality is is pretty pretty well gone especially once they went down uh two goals when i I think the closest thing they have to maybe a a real leader on the team would be solomon asante who missed the match he's sort of that maybe more emotional leader than an actual team leader out on the pitch i don't watch phoenix enough to know for sure how that would look or how that would go um 
So yeah, you, you, maybe that's part of the issue there. And, and I think that was sort of part of the issue with Orange County for the first part of the, the season. I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm, I've seen a couple signs from some players, like maybe a Harry Forrester that is maybe showing his value is going to be in that leadership role. Uh, you know, he was the one that sort of brought that team together after they conceded the goal against Phoenix and maybe just sort of refocus them and make sure that we didn't drop the ball like we did up in Fresno. Also, you know, just look at him before the match. He was like the one player out in the pitch before the match that sort of acknowledged counterline coalition uh, and their chant for the team as the team's taking the pitch for the, for the kickoff. Uh, that sort of goes in that role of the leader. You're trying to sort of show your teammates how to, how to interact with the fans, how to focus on the, on the pitch. I know there's, we, we've, we've got on Harry Forrester a lot so far this season about maybe he's trying too hard to put the goal in the net or the ball into the net, but you know, it's, it's all part of the, the big thing, the, the picture, maybe it's going to be more of his leadership skills that are going to play a big part of, of what's happening out there. Um, what is next? Maybe it was a bad oh, um, disciplinary performance from us. There were a lot of, a lot of issues there. Are you um, saying like a lot of cards? A lot of cards, yes. Um, and also just a lot of, I think the fatigue was really starting to show at the end of it. I mean, Phoenix conceded a goal, or sorry, Phoenix scored their goal off of the set piece. Um, arguably, there should have been a foul before they ever scored, so it shouldn't have counted. But it's whatever. The, Daniel Ratchick's not a good ref, so these things happen. Further than that, you have Aiden Quinn getting a little bit lost. And for some reason, Aiden Quinn, a guy that's like 5'10 or 5'11, is marking Adam John, a guy who's like 6'3 or 6'4. So. You already have the size issue, and then Quinn gets lost off of a couple steps from John, and then he has a free header and scores. So that happens. And then, of course, um, Charlie Adams giving up that free kick at, in the 93rd minute, 94th minute, I think. Um, I mean, he knew that he shouldn't have done it. Uh, the second that he made that challenge, the whistle, whistle blew. If you go back and look, you can see him kind of like uh, throw himself backwards uh, onto the pitch again out of frustration. Um, so I think that's something that we could work forward, <laughs> work on moving forward. That is um, there we because go. you can't be doing that stuff in the playoffs. Um, and you can't do that stuff against teams that have a good free, free kick taker. Uh, Jogba punished us two years ago. Juan Pablo Cafa punished us two weeks ago. I'm sure there's someone. I mean, Oklahoma City learned you can't do that because Noah Powder punished them. Um, Koji Hashimoto's punished San Antonio in the past. There are guys in this league that can put those on frame from 20 yards. And maybe they do it one out of three or one out of four times. But uh, you never know if that one foul in the 93rd minute of a, a big match for the fans is going to be the one that is the one that that guy bends over the wall and then beneath the bar. So that was a stressful end, I gotta say. I was not, um, I was not particularly happy with the end of that match. I was really stressed. Uh, I think everyone else was. Uh, I was standing behind Oliver, our GM, and um, our lovely friend who does the press for the club tried to ask him a question, and Oliver just <laughs> like waved him off. Uh, so. Yeah, I think, you know, it's stressful for everyone, not just the guys on the pitch. 
No, perfect. And and let's also before we move past this match, let's talk about Owasa Owasu Con. Oh wait. Yeah, I messed Owusu up. Onsa contour. Owusu Onsa Let's just contour. call him Contour, like everyone else. Yeah, Contour. Contour the Condor, uh, like Cameron wants to start a chant yes. there. Uh, probably his best match so far early, in this early part of the season made a masterful save when Patrick McClain was out of the goal. He, he made a goal lane save basically there. And I, I think for the first time this season, he looked like someone that really deserves to be out there on the pitch for the full 90 minutes. He's had some good points throughout the season, but I think this was the first match where he put a full 90 minutes out there. That was very, um, you know, amazing. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alan? Yeah, I think um, he's had some pretty tough games in the past and on your, your highlight clip contour definitely came up really big uh, in the 61st minute where he was the last defender back and cleared the line. Uh, and that really, I mean, that was right after Orange County puts in the second goal. So if that goal goes in, it's like the momentum shifts directly back to Phoenix. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those, like like what happened in the 70th minute where you're like, oh no, is this going to happen again? Is this Fresno again? Is this, you know, we've seen this happen before, uh, but Contour really coming up big and kicking that ball off the line was huge. Um, you know, I thought the back end really kept the team in it um, when Phoenix started to put the pressure on um, a great save in the 67th minute. Um, and there are, you know, corner kicks and free kicks uh, throughout the last kind of 20, 30 minutes from Phoenix that any of those uh, with our penchant to not defend free kicks and uh, those set pieces super well in the earlier in the season. Uh, it was super great to see that defense really feel like they're kind of figuring it out. Yeah, they got one. And like Dylan said, it was Aiden Quinn marking Adam John. It's like, come on, that's, <laughs> you know, show Impossible. me. Right, like Steph Curry guarding uh, Shaq in the low post. Like That's a Liam Trotter job. You know, you, you put the big guys with the big guys. and Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think, if Walker Hume, I think if Walker Hume's there, that's not a goal. Uh, but, you know, you got to – you got to tip your cap to Phoenix on that one because maybe they drew that up to get, you know, Adam John away from, you know, the big guys in the middle. But, um, no, I, I was I was thoroughly impressed, like I said earlier, that they always seem to have guys back. They seem to be communicating really well. Um, so many interceptions uh, that just kind of stopped Phoenix's attack and its tracks. And, you know, when, when you do that, Phoenix has, you know, very little chance of pulling off a win. Yeah, and now Orange County is going to look forward to uh, keep the ball rolling here and and continue this success uh, and look to get another three points this upcoming weekend against San Antonio. Before we get into that, I want to get a quick update from Dylan, who is at the U.S. Open Cup match at Championship Soccer Stadium uh, between Orange County FC and FC Golden State Force. Uh, How's the match looking right now, Dylan? Um, it's pretty wide open, but OCFC is currently leading 1-0. Um, they scored in, I think, something around the 30th minute, and uh, or maybe a few minutes before the 30th. But the last maybe 15, 20 minutes have, have been pretty back and forth. Um, and what minute are they in right now? 
They're in the 67th. All right. So in about around the end of this episode, we should know who Orange County will be facing when we get there. But it's time to now start talking about the upcoming match for Orange County because between their Open Cup match and today, there is another USL Championship match. Uh, the boys are going to be making their way out to San Antonio uh, to Texas to take on San Antonio FC, who are another one of those teams that have been a little bit uh, – I guess have been a little confusing so far this season. I think that's one of the teams that people tend to think, or at least coming into the season, we're hoping would be uh, performing better than they have so far. And and I will admit, I'm not a huge San Antonio FC uh, information, knowledge, whatever you want to call it person. Um, and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get made fun of on those words, Dylan, you can say I it. don't even know what you were trying what to I say. Just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, to help us help preview this match, uh, I did ask uh, from one of our, uh, I guess not one of our friends, but a, a, a podcaster that covers the team a little bit. I, I, I'm just going to introduce you, Kyle, uh, and you're going to have to help me. I want to make sure you get your last name right. Kyle, uh, how do you say your last name? Yeah, it's uh, Mankey, like the the Pokemon or rhymes with Cranky or however you want to go with it. But uh, yeah, Kyle Mankey. Kyle Mankey. <laughs> how are you doing, guys? Hey, welcome. Welcome to our podcast. So, Kyle, you are from the play of the game with Larry Leathers and Kyle Mankey, formerly known as Texas Soccer Radio, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Um, and it's... I love your shirt, by the way. I love your shirt. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was actually wearing a different shirt and I poked, uh, poked into the YouTube feed here to see what was going on before I came on. And I saw a Liverpool kit and I was like, ah, I can't can't not wear my Spurs kit with Liverpool being represented. Right. So. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. So now the Spurs, uh, the Spurs supporters are out, and I'm reading the Spurs supporters. So awesome. <laughs> uh, goal update: It's now two 0 Orange County off of the set piece. As you can hear from this guy, that's really bad at his job. Oh yeah, so yeah, I can hear that. So uh, there we go, no, two 0 two nil Orange County FC. So it looks like that may be our opponent. Sorry to cut you off there, Kyle. Oh, you're yeah. good, guys. We got Dylan at, at Championship Soccer Stadium. He went to the match and he's on his phone, you know, talking with us. So it's awesome to have those those live feeds of what's going on in that match because that's our next opponent in the U.S. Open Cup. But um, we brought Kyle in because, uh, again, we're not all that knowledgeable about San Antonio FC. I've been to the city for one day in my life uh, and I went there and it was like 105 degrees in June, I believe is when I was there. And I had to get the heck out of there. It was just not worth it for me. Um, beautiful city, by the way, but... Uh, I can't handle that type of heat uh, for a good part of the day. But uh, Kyle, let us know how what what's what's been going on with San Antonio FC and why are they struggling the way they have so far? Yeah, it's been uh, a pretty interesting season for sure with San Antonio because it seems like the plans that we expected in the preseason or, or kind of the roadmap that we saw coming. Uh, was abandoned after maybe 180 minutes, if that, if it lasted that long. Um, coming into the season, the the big marquee signings were actually defenders because going back to last year, no issue scoring goals really, but uh, the defense was pretty rough last year. And so we brought in, we San Antonio brought in uh, Amir Jidic and uh, Josh Yarrow, uh, two very well-known USL center backs, obviously. And um, now Jidic is with FC Edmonton, I believe. He was released so that he could go do that. And San Antonio has shifted to almost exclusively running a three-in-the-back uh, system, or, or five if you count the uh, the wingbacks there. But 
just totally different look from what we expected at the beginning. And it's been working better, in all fairness. Those adjustments, it's it's progressing well, but uh, very strange start to the season, to say the least. And, and you know, I, I don't know who it was. I don't uh, might have been Harry who who follows us and listens to us that yeah. mentioned it or someone else. But someone mentioned uh, on social media that San Antonio is playing a lot better at home than they are on the road, which I guess is scary for us Orange County fans. Is that is that the case? Is is San Antonio been successful at home? And and maybe may, let me ask you, what's what would be causing those issues on the road for the team? Yeah, it's not even close. Uh, San Antonio is 0-4-0 on the road this year, with the latest being a 0-3 whooping uh, in New Mexico last week. And um, I can talk about that more in depth in a second. But as far as the difference between at home and on the road, it's uh, really mind-boggling because you have a lot of experienced players on this team. It's not a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds. It's guys who you would expect to be able to get it done no matter where they're at. And uh, it's not happening. Toyota Field is a very friendly stadium for the home team. Uh, it's We've heard from players who have played on other teams that uh, it's one of the most difficult places to play in USL because fans are so close. Um, we, we actually had a couple supporters go over the rails on accident at, uh, on a teller beer night. But uh um it's a Uh, very friendly let me ask you is that on those corner kick uh yeah yeah exactly i mean we're talking like you could reach out and tap a player on the shoulder they're so close in in some of those corners so um i don't know if that's part of it or if the travel routine messes it up i i honestly wish that i knew i'm sure they wish they knew so they could fix it but uh I'll, i'll give them a pass on new mexico because they're kind of the surprise team of the season i think being top of the West right now, but uh, the the rest of the road matches dating back to the beginning of 2018, uh, our friend over uh, with uh, Sacramento uh, USL Pony uh, mentioned that San Antonio is the second worst team on the road dating back to the beginning of the 2018 season. So it's not a new problem, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Dylan or Alan, I don't know if you have a question for, uh, for our guest Kyle here. I mean, I, I watched a lot of the, the San Antonio, New Mexico game. And I think to be fair to San Antonio, I think the scoreline was a little bit, you know, unfriendly uh, to the way San Antonio played. Um, I mean, looking at the standings, like you look at their last five games, three wins and two losses. Um, you know, one of those is against Tacoma. And we, we did talk a little smack, like really you can't beat them four nil like the rest of us. You only score, you only score three. Felt some um, mercy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think San Antonio is going through a lot of the same things that Orange County is right now with, you know, the good at home and kind of problematic on the road. Uh, you know, all three Orange County wins were the last three home games. Uh, so I definitely feel your pain, Kyle, as far as like what team is going <laughs> to show up. And we've been talking about Jekyll and Hyde all season. I think you can say the same thing about uh, San Antonio. Um what do you think is going to be the difference maker for San Antonio uh, against Orange County? Like- I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but um, you have to score goals to win, right? And so in the past, that's been a little inconsistent. I think with this squad that they've been putting out lately, um, it's relying heavily on two low knees, actually. Uh, Moises Hernandez from FC Dallas 
and Bradford Jameson from LA Galaxy. Um, and Jameson has been a season changer along with uh, Brian Gomez, who was a late addition to the roster. So if they can stay hot, then these def- these defensive deficiencies <laughs> uh, may be kind of offset a little bit. But uh, I think playing at home is going to be good. I think playing, um, you know, if they can forget what happened in New Mexico, I'm not too worried. My issue with New Mexico, I know you said the scoreline seemed unfair. Um, it was kind of mentioned in the commentary too that after the second New Mexico goal went in, it was a lot of players with their heads down, a lot of uh, kind of defeated posture, it seemed like. And uh, that's terrifying in May if you're San Antonio. Uh, you, you absolutely don't want to see that. And they subbed a couple guys on that are hungry for minutes that expected to be starters and, and they played well. But um, mentality, if if that becomes an issue, then you know there's there's obviously deeper problems at the roots there. I don't know if Dylan out at the stadium uh, has anything for you. Yeah. Um, how I think it, what Lance Lang, right? Yeah. How has he been? I know he was a, a big, supposed to be a big pickup at least. A lot of people speak really highly of him, especially at this level. I mean, how has he fit into an extremely underperforming team so far? Yeah, I had um, the media vote at the end of last year for the USL uh, Player of the Year and and all that stuff, Team of the Year. And last season, he was only with the club for, I believe, nine or ten matches. And in that time, he was the best player on the team, and it wasn't even close. Um, This year, we expected Billy Forbes came back, which... Even though he didn't do much in Phoenix, he's huge in San Antonio and always has done well in San Antonio. Um, so you kind of expected the top defenders or the top attacking three to be Lance Lang and Billy Forbes and then a, a center forward. Um, and both of those guys have been riding the bench for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's a huge surprise. Um, but Bradford Jamison and Brian Gomez have gotten the minutes and to be fair, barring New Mexico, they've earned them and they've deserved them. So um, I'm definitely surprised to not see more Lance Lang and Billy Forbes, but uh, this is working really well too. And there's actually another player that got picked up this year named Christian Pirano, who uh, came from River Plate. Is that how you pronounce? I've only ever read the club on the internet. I'm not super familiar with South American soccer, right? Um, he came from their system and Jack Barnby came from, uh, Manchester United system, obviously. And so they have a lot of quality players there. It's just kind of trying to get them all to fit together. That's, that's been the issue. And I've been surprised to see Lang and Forbes left out of that. So I'm going to ask you this question. Um, what does Orange County need to do to win this match? As far as, I guess, what's the, what's the weak spot for San Antonio this season? Uh, and what uh, can our fans look forward to maybe in the game plan for Orange County that would be successful? If I had to guess, I would probably say the center of the formation is defensively a lot weaker than the outsides now that they're kind of using that wingback formation. So the thing that New Mexico had amazing success doing was just playing balls forward because if you can beat 
one or two of those back three guys, then, you know, you have a one-on-one with the keeper. So uh, I, I'm sure San Antonio is going to adjust to uh, try to prevent that from happening again. But it seems like if they're going to keep doing that back three, they need to get that line uh, more in tune with itself and kind of have those guys knowing where they need to be to prevent uh, attacking players from getting behind them like like they have. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy with the San Antonio attack so far for the most part. It's just nailing down that defense has become a second year issue now. <laughs> And then um, the other question I'm going to ask, and I'm going to just you know throw up a picture really quick. Uh, you know, I was in San Antonio about a year ago. It was in <laughs> I think June of of last year. It was it was it was hot. It was like like I said, 105 degrees. We tried to do you know we were staying in Austin. We drove down to uh, San Antonio because I had to. I, I've always been a big fan of like the California missions and all that. So I had to of course go see the Alamo. Yeah, uh, and then of course you know you go to San Antonio, you have to go walk along the river walk and the river walk is pretty well shaded. And even in the shade, I was like sweating like crazy. I, it was, it was yeah. super hot. Uh, what's the <laughs> weather looking like heading into this match? I know we're still, you know, five days out, but what's the, the weather looking like? Is it going to be crazy hot like that? Should our players be prepared for some, some crazy weather? It would be a pretty big surprise if anything changed between now and then. And what, um, what we've been having in the area is just tons and tons of rain, which um, we don't really handle well. It's very prone <laughs> to flash flooding. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's good for the aquifer and for the water supply and all that. But um, the pitch is probably going to be not in the best shape. And it might even be raining that night. Um, hopefully the game doesn't get postponed. I'm looking at Saturday and it's got a 100% chance of rain with lightning and thunderstorms so uh hopefully that's not the case but uh yeah it's been pretty crappy weather i was actually um in the la area last weekend and i had to be drugged back onto the plane kicking and screaming because i was not ready to come back to this cloudy wet mess yeah if you were here what like four months ago you would have been in like crazy rain we were just entrenched for the longest time on that uh let's do this let's get into some uh predictions for this match i'm gonna go around the table we'll just you know get maybe a a score prediction and then who's the key player in your eyes and i'll give you a quick chance kyle to think of what you want to do that so i'm going to go to alan first alan what is your prediction on this match score and who's the key uh person in this match uh to get the result you're looking at um i'm gonna go with uh probably like a 2-2 draw uh the way that orange county's been playing on the road um has been kind of draw on the road, win at home, uh, which I think puts you in playoff position, which I think is what Orange County is fighting for. Um, I think that uh, Darwin Jones and or Vinicius, I think they, uh, Kyle mentioned that if you get by those last three, you can get one-on-one on the keeper. And I think there were some moments where New Mexico took advantage of that. I think Vinicius and or Darwin Jones, depending on who starts, uh, really gets behind the defense. And I'm hoping it's Vinicius uh, and he scores uh, and maybe gets an assist and really kind of puts a stamp on this game. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. And then uh, live at Championship Soccer Stadium, Dylan, what are your thoughts uh, for this match prediction and key to the match? Um, 3-0 Orange County, actually. You know, I think um, obviously San Antonio is really struggling. I think they're third bottom at the moment. Um, they 
you can't. I don't think you could say they've played well at all. And, uh, apologies to our lovely guest. Um, it's not a roast or anything. If my team was there, I'd be uh, less than pleased, especially with the the pieces that San Antonio has. Um, so yeah, I think Orange County will handily win this one. I get San Antonio plays a little bit better at home, but when you're a team um, with five losses uh, and nine games, d- does it really matter? Um, so I think Vinicius and Michael Seaton be big impacts. I expect uh, Mike to start uh, up top again, and then Seaton, or sorry, to expect Vinicius to come on for Mike as he gets tired later on. Um, I think the key to the game is mostly going to be that last pass, whether it's from uh, Aiden Quinn or Harry Forrester or Darwin Jones, um, to find Mike when he's making a run so he can be one-on-one with the keeper, and that will be enough uh, to, to slot home. Because we saw, I mean, he's, he's good enough to score. He scored there in the past repeatedly. So that's my, that's my big, big key to the game. <laughs> And then, uh, Kyle, before we get to your prediction, do you have any questions for us that maybe will help you uh, get to that prediction and maybe for any of your uh, followers or listeners that might be uh, listening to either our live broadcast or the podcast when we release it? Yeah, I, I guess, um, man, that's that's some broad questions. I would just say go back and listen to – I was listening to the show earlier before I came on, and anyone from San Antonio that's tuning in now, make sure you listen to that earlier section too because um, just really good – analysis of the team and all that um i guess my my question would be uh, how is orange county doing on the road is that having any effect on him so far is that kind of just same old (laughs) uh i don't know dylan or alan do you want to take that i know dylan you've seen more matches actually on the road than either me or alan so yeah um what i've seen two now i guess Uh, reno and fresno Reno was, I almost want to just not say that was a game that happened, not because <laughs> it was not a great result for us, but because it was the first game of the season. And in all honesty, we didn't play well, but we had a lot of issues to figure out. We had a not particularly confidence-inspiring goalkeeper who didn't play well, <laughs> and uh, Reno handed us a point um, <laughs> in that game. But I, Fresno, I think, I mean, it's... Fresno is a harder place to play. There were a lot of people there. They play on a terrible pitch, and it's on a baseball field, and they're a better team than Orange County uh, and San Antonio. So I honestly think they probably have it in them to get a result here, uh, especially after that result in Fresno, because I'm sure there were some issues um, following that match. I asked uh, to speak with three players, and I only got to speak with one, and that was after about half an hour. Um, and he was Had those nights. <laughs> pretty quiet um, and uh, reserved mood. So let's just say it was it. There was not any kind of energy I felt in those words that I'm like, okay, let's put this in our in our podcast. It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, let's just take the gist of this. Let's talk about it. But I'm not going to actually play the actual interview. So <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the most disappointed person in the interview. Which says a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I think because of how things have gone and beating Phoenix is going to give the team a lot of confidence. If they play the game that they're supposed to play, I mean, no disrespect, but San Antonio is not going to have a good game. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at our results this year on the road. You know, a draw in Reno, a loss to El Paso, uh, a loss to Oklahoma City. 
um, and a draw in Fresno. So our, our road form has not been amazing, uh, but we've sort of been doing better recently. I know the the loss in Oklahoma City was was not the the best. The, the that was highlight a pretty unlucky one, month. I think. But El Paso I so. was the we played poorly and deserved to lose. Yes. That, absolutely true. But that was but, over a month ago. So yes. I, if you look since then, we beat Colorado at home. We beat Tacoma at home, which everyone does. Uh, we lose at Oklahoma City off of a fluke, a bounce of the ball, you know, no fault to the goalkeeper. No way he's going to stop that. We draw in Fresno. So typically, if you look at it, we should have draw, drew our last two road matches, which I guess sort of bodes well for the San Antonio FC fans that may be listening or watching uh, that they can at least earn a point in a match. Although I'm sure that's never exciting to, tr- to, to <laughs> strive for a point at home. You want the full three points. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we haven't been the most amazing on the road. Let's just say it that way. Uh, we've gotten lucky uh, on, on a match or two, and we've choked on a match, uh, you know, most recently up in Fresno where we were leading, what, 2-0 and, and gave up two late goals. So Exactly. <laughs> well, I think if I had to make a, a prediction on this one, I would probably go 2-2 draw as well. Um, I, I do think it'll be a high-scoring match either way, despite the weather. Um, uh, which I do think is going to have an impact for sure. Um, but I think in the past when San Antonio has had their backs against the wall a little bit, they generally respond pretty well. Um, and even though New Mexico might be one of the best teams in the West, I I still think they're going to take that loss to heart. And, um, the, the players that, are still in it are going to get the minutes and we'll take it from there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be two, two. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, one of the San Antonio center backs, Josh Yarrow, who has kind of stepped up and been very vocal with this crazy shifting defense <laughs> that has gone from four in the back to three to five to, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be. So uh, I think if he's able to get, everything's set up the way it needs to be and they're able to you know bounce back a little bit like i said uh, i think it was alan that mentioned in the chat earlier that um the gap from the bottom of the table where san antonio is now to in the mid table is like less than three points uh the west is crazy this year yeah san antonio's got 10 points they are third bottom um Reno, Fresno have 13 points and they're in sixth and seventh. So like one win could theoretically kind of launch you up pretty far. If, if I think there's five teams way, but... right now that are on 11 points and it's basically like yeah. a two goal goal difference. It will get you like three, four places easily. Well, I mean, just look at look at Orange County and Phoenix after the result this weekend. I mean, Orange County jumped up quite a, quite a bit, and Phoenix dropped quite a bit. So, um, yeah, it, it's the West is crazy this year. <laughs> uh, I, I expect it to be crazy all year the way things are going, and especially now that you get ten teams in the playoffs instead of eight, it just makes yeah. it more interesting. Although I, I know some people don't quite like that whole change in the playoff format. That's that's a whole different episode a whole count me among them to talk about um but yeah uh, do, you have, do you have like a key to the match or or anything i i really again i hate to repeat myself but it's going to come down to the defense because the offense has been 
pretty pretty trustworthy. You have Jack Barnby in the central midfield who um you know he's Manchester United royalty basically <laughs> like he his dad played and uh you know he himself spent time with uh, United and Leicester and all these MLS teams and you know he's got all this experience and um I, I don't have the number in front of me unfortunately but San Antonio has been generating just an absurd amount of chances over the season that just haven't been getting converted um so if some of those start falling their way then that's going to be huge, but I, I think you have a lot of guys that are going to be playing for not their jobs, but they're going to be playing for minutes in real, real short order here. So if these guys don't produce, you're going to see probably early substitutions with uh, Lance Lang, Billy Forbes, Christian Pirano, some of those attacking minded players and it could be totally different or uh, Moises Hernandez could go out and slide tackle somebody in the fifth minute and we'll be down <laughs> to 10 men. I genuinely don't know, but uh, 50, 50. There yeah, we that, go. Is, that is a, like looking at their previous form. I mean, San Antonio before that New Mexico game scored nine goals in four games. Uh, so it's, you know, two, two, two and three, I think, or two, two, three, two or something like that. So they could put the ball in the net. Um, so that's something that does, you know, is something to keep an eye on. Um, I think this is going to be come down to maybe not who puts the ball in the most, but who keeps it like who comes up with a couple of big plays to keep the ball from going in, you know, clearing off the line and a great save. I think that's what it is going to boil down to, you know, defense versus defense, which, you know, to be, to be fair to both of our teams has not always been the greatest of our strengths. <laughs> um, but I think that's what it, I think it's going to be who, who blinks the first on the back back lines. Uh, for either team is really going to make the difference. Yeah. And there's, there's been really not much patience shown for the San Antonio players this year, which I think is probably for their benefit. Um, even Matt Cardoni, who uh, was born and raised in San Antonio, played college ball in San Antonio, played for the Scorpions and now SAFC. Um, he's the goalkeeper and he was benched for a match because of performance. And so um I don't think that Darren Powell is coaching for his job. I, I need to be explicitly clear on that before I, you know, spark anything that I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't think he's coaching for his job, but he is the longest tenured coach in the West, I believe, at this point, if not top three. Um, and he has made the playoffs once, and it was a first round exit. Um, so there's been a lot of quick changes where if something isn't working, they get it out of there. So it's kind of fun being on the outside and never really knowing what's coming up. But uh, I think for better or worse, that might light a fire under some of the, the players butts to, you know, do what they need to do. And it's probably hard for uh, being a coach in San Antonio when you have the San Antonio Spurs who have, just made the playoffs what like 30 straight years or whatever yeah. Greg Popovich has been able to do since I mean you're going back to like David Robinson days which I mean I I feel like it's been 20 years since that guy has been on the basketball court so when you're in the shadow of that and you're trying to attract the fans you know in San Antonio that are used to you know when you're looking at pro sports having some success out maybe on a basketball court, this is soccer. I know it's different sports, but <laughs> it's probably hard when, when you struggle a little bit there and you're not making the playoffs every single year to, to be able to, 
I guess, make an argument for keeping your job. So uh, my prediction on this, and, and I'm just throwing this out here because it worked last week. I'm going to say the prediction five nil San Antonio um, <laughs> last week. I just sort of threw that out there for Phoenix because I've been wrong almost, I, I think almost every match this season. So I figured let's keep the streak and let's just keep being wrong. Hopefully that works out again. If not, then I will throw that away. And uh, you know, my superstitions will have to change and I'll have to do something different. Uh, key player, someone on San Antonio. Let's just say that. I don't know. Um, let's do this. Uh, I don't know if Kyle, you have a few more minutes. You can hang out with us. We typically like to end each, each of our episodes with just sort of a random thought. It can be soccer related. It can be non-related. If you want to hang out for a few more minutes and participate in this, you can, if not, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity right now to, to say your goodbyes, plug your, <laughs> plug your podcast or whatever you want to plug social media and be on your way. What, what do you want to do? Um, I would love to hang out, but I actually have to have to bail. But I do want to have you guys on our show at some point. We can organize that off air. But um, our show, in case you missed it, is Play the Game with Larry Leathers and Kyle Mankey. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GPOD, uh, at PogPod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Mankey. Uh, and my podcast partner, Larry Leathers, uh, is at Larry Leathers 87. So, yeah, and, let's uh, Yeah, it's fine. Make, make sure you check them out. Listen to what they have to say. Really quick before you go, Kyle, I just have to throw this up here. Uh, you know, I you, in Texas, I, I know you can't see what's on the screen on the YouTube chat, but I, I was in Austin. There's this cool place where you can just go and tag on the walls in Austin. I don't know if it's still where it is, but I went there and I wore my Tottenham uh, jersey and I tagged <laughs> C-O-Y-S. Come on, you Spurs. Got to throw it out there because there's a big match tomorrow. Can you just give me a quick prediction? What is your prediction for tomorrow's match uh, against Ajax? Oh, um, 18 nil Spurs. Definitely. Um. <laughs> I'll take that score. I'll take that score any day and then set up that Liverpool Spurs Championship League final in, uh, I believe, Madrid is where the final is. That would be awesome to see something like I'm that. I'm hoping for it. I, I've followed Spurs long enough to know that that's not how it's going to work out. And so you, that, you're uh, expecting a Spursy performance tomorrow. And I'm just hoping that they don't blow the goal differential in league play, too, and, and end up in fifth through some oh, wacky... Benny Hill theme song like shenanigans, four, but it's like a four goal lead or something right now, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's even more than that. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, and it would be Arsenal that would, that would ruin it. So, um, so yeah. good luck to <laughs> Spurs tomorrow. Good luck to Orange County over the weekend. Sorry to say that, Kyle. Uh, again, I want to thank you for joining us and, and taking some time. I know it's a little bit later out where you are, so we appreciate that. And and you know, best of luck to your season, except for this weekend against Orange County. <laughs> Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And we'll uh, do it again on our end sometime soon. Yeah. Let us know. All right. Bye guys. So that's Kyle Mankey from the, I got to get this right now. Right. Uh, from the play the game with Larry Leathers and Kyle Mankey podcast, formerly known as Texas soccer radio. So for those of you in San Antonio that may be listening to us, you know who exactly who we're talking about. Uh, for those of you not from San Antonio or from the Orange County area, that's who they are. They cover San Antonio sports, not just soccer. Uh, so pretty amazing to get a chance to talk with them and get uh, sort of a, a firsthand look at what our opponent's going to look like. Let's get let's get to the wrap of this. Uh, let's wrap things up because we've already gone quite a bit. It was just a wonderful, fun time. I didn't realize how long we we're going. So, Alan, do you have a random thought for the evening? I have two, one sad, one happy uh, the sad news is uh, sending thoughts out to the families of 
Uh, there was a school shooting in Colorado today, um, not too far away from where Columbine happened. Um, I have a bunch of family in the area. Actually, my nephew was could have chosen to go to that school. It was between that one and a different one. He ended up at a different one. Uh, so it's you never think it's gonna it's gonna touch your community. Uh, but I gotta you know shout out and actually say shout out. That's not the right word, but. Uh, send thoughts to uh, the Denver community and Colorado community. Um, they've gone through a lot uh, regarding that type of uh, violence. And, you know, we just, we, we send our positive thoughts to them on a more positive note. Um, was up in Sacramento today at a union meeting. I got to stream the championship or champions league. Uh, I know it's soccer related, so it's not fair, but, uh, I, I, it was one of the, the two legs, Barcelona, Liverpool are some was like Liverpool lost the first one. And it was still even really good soccer. Just those two legs were some of the most exciting and riveting sports, uh, games that I've seen. I shouldn't say it's not in person, but live, like I actually watched it happen. Um, just phenomenal. It was so exciting. And that, that fourth goal on a cheeky corner, uh, <laughs> just tells you like, you know, you got to play 90 and you never know what's going to happen. And you just got to keep playing to the last whistle blows and you never know. You might beat one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. I, I me and you were talking before we went live uh, about this. I have a bet against a work, uh, a coworker. Uh, and the bet was basically if Barcelona wins the championship or the champions league, I would buy him like a nice steak lunch or dinner or whatever. Uh, the opposite, if if Tottenham wins, then he can, and this was, he he agreed to this, he would no longer watch Barcelona and support them for the rest of, of his life. So I was sort of excited to see the results, although sort of sad too, because I mean, man, I'm almost empowered to take away, well, no, I'm not empowered, but Tottenham's almost empowered to take away his fandom of of, of soccer, at least for the team he follows, but he agreed to it, and I, I think going into today, I was joking with him. Yeah, it was one nil at halftime, and I, I, you know, just sort of said, "Hey, it's th- it was three nil or something like that." And I was talking about a a random other soccer match, and he's like, "No, nah, it's one nil," and and yeah, it ended up being four nil on the match. So, props to Liverpool. That was just an amazing comeback. And again, the the you know never say never type attitude out there when you have to think there's no chance whatsoever. Uh, Dylan, what about you? Random thought for for tonight. All right. Uh, score update. Full-time uh, OCFC 2, Golden State Force nil. So we will play OCFC uh, here next Wednesday. Um, really quick before you get to your final thought then, Dylan. Yeah. Is, is there like an official Derby name for this this rival, the, this rival this match between OC clubs? Uh, we can make it the battle of the team that will exist in a year and the battle of the team that's <laughs> going to not exist in a year. So what, does the winner get to continue and the loser has to fold? N- no, uh, OCFC will just fold, let's be real, and uh, OCSC will not. For any uh, listeners, uh, go on to Twitter and let us know what what should the Derby, like the official Derby name between these teams, be. Even if it's just for this match, because according to Dylan, Orange County FC will be folding at the end of the season. Uh, let okay, us know. I mean, not necessarily at the end of the season, but like they don't have money. The low but... attendance Derby. Let's do. <laughs> oh darn, Oh, man. Okay, let's go. Go, Dylan. Uh, elsewhere, Cal FC just over the fence beat. Uh, the last time I checked, Portland Mulhouse, Millhouse, 
whatever it is, Millhouse. <laughs> Mill everything House? is everything is, is really not Millhouse. No, it's Millhouse Portland. Okay, but nothing is coming up Millhouse. Uh, I think they lost five one with uh, former Orange County players Solomon Mobias and Oscar Sorto featuring in that match and playing well. So yeah, that's a thing. Uh, elsewhere. Um, my literature recommendation for this week is an essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson entitled Self-Reliance. Um, it's a bit of a longer read, not even close to the longest that I've recommended, but it's a very good one. And it's very uplifting. And uh, it's, you know, it's called self-reliance. Like it's, it's the only self-help thing you ever need or should even bother with. <laughs> You do know that uh, one of our listeners, Harry, is going to be disappointed that you're not actually reading poetry on. It's it's like a good five or six, uh, eight and a half by eleven pages. Um, Go for it, read landscape. it. Let's hear it. Let's so hear it. I might record it and then we can have like a uh, a special edition <laughs> um, where I just read things. If we ever start a Patreon account, that'll be what our one of our rewards will be. So no one's going to pay for it. No one wants that. So no one's going to pay for it. (laughs) Uh, Anything else, Dylan? I thought I had something else. Uh, It was really satisfying watching Barcelona lose today, even though I like I don't particularly care for Liverpool. Um, It's always nice when you watch a bunch of uh, children uh, get really angry and lose and and just, I mean, absolutely bottle it. That's always really funny to watch. Uh, Yeah. Other than that, um, I've started, Oh, this was my random thought. I have started to waste my life again, playing football manager um, with football manager 19. That is too intricate, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it like pans out when we do that coaching badge course together. But um there's a USL, there's an entire US and Canadian uh, soccer pyramid mod, oh, yeah. which is amazing and so worth it. I think it's from Uncle Sam. You can find it if you just search for like USL, Football Manager 19, or any of the years in the past. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I stole Braden Cloutier's job, and for some reason, I don't know why I did this, because I care way too much about this team. Um, we've made it to the, the uh, USL Western semis so far. Um, I'm going to go home and play some more for sure. But uh, my recommendation is if you, for some reason, hate yourself or your job and you feel like wasting all of your time and start playing this game, uh, do not pick Orange County to play for <laughs> because you will be like super emotional when like a player you like a lot wants a new contract, but the club doesn't have it. like, yeah, you're like, oh man. Like, um... So you're reciting Aiden Quinn or what? No, thankfully he was uh, already resigned, so I didn't have to worry about that one. Uh, oh, and he's, he's nice and happy because he plays almost every match. But you know, you've got a guy like Thomas Volton, and you're wondering, good God, is this guy going to bounce when his contract's up? Who knows? <laughs> and then you've got like those, you know, uh, Ami Pineda's in there, and I went to school with Ami Pineda, and he's he wants they a new contract, but he's not good enough, and it's just a total mess. So it's football manager, but at the same time, you should manager it's a great time it's a great time suck Um, you'll never do anything productive again i'm looking forward to the day that usl is in fifa the FIFA franchise because i actually like to play the games not just sort of be a manager and and sign players especially man football manager it's like by the book so 
like if you're an England club, you have to have so many England players and all and that. You can do five plus threes, though, where you sign a guy to a five-year contract and then you have a club option for three years, which is actually not allowed by FIFA's rules. But you can do that anyway, so it's not all by the books. There are oh. loopholes to this. All you right, just got to get creative. In, in your game, you got to somehow find a way to sign Harry Kane to Orange County FC. No, I have a soul. Or SC. I mean, I, Orange County could probably afford his wages. Let's be real. Tottenham <laughs> doesn't play their players. They don't. Um, all right, I got to get my This is way rant. too much. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry, everyone. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. I got to get my random thing again now. <laughs> random thought for me or a couple things. Uh, we will be participating in the um, Playing for Pride uh, we're going to come up with a game plan. I'm, I'm going to work with these gentlemen, Alan and Dylan. We're going to come up with a game plan, maybe potentially for the podcast to donate and also maybe individual donations. Uh, me and Alan discussed it briefly. We have to talk to you, Dylan, let you know what's up with that. Uh, and yeah, a uh, big match tomorrow for me and for the millions of Tottenham Hotspur fans out there in the world. Uh, you know, we're only down one nil in aggregate. It's not like, uh, the Liverpool where they were down three nil. So, I mean, it's definitely possible to come back. Although uh, Tottenham's definitely shorthanded out there. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, that is uh, it for this episode. Really quick, gentlemen, give us your social media information. Alan, go first. Hey, Underwood 48. I do have to apologize for all of the Liverpool retweets. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be Liverpool for like a, another couple of days and then I'll calm down. But. So he'll be sad in the, the Champions League final when uh, Tottenham win and Liverpool lose as well. So, well, they Tottenham won't be there. They're gonna they're gonna bottle it. <laughs> Dylan, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ocse underscore Dylan. Um, I think the Luton tweets are mostly done for the moment, barring any transfer news in the coming months. Um, you can find me on Reddit at ocse underscore Dylan as well. Or you can find the podcast and. Um, reply to the podcast account, which is not monitored at uh, OCSE podcast on Reddit. Um, so, no, you know, be, uh, BGN too, beautiful game network. Yeah. You can also find, you know, we are a member of the beautiful game network. Uh, you can find them at BGN.FM in your browser or I should say, and slash or the BGN FM on Twitter. Uh, at, and make sure at the BGN FM. Yes, make sure that it is the, the BGN yes. FM. Unless you, um, yeah, just make sure it's the BGN <laughs> FM one because, yeah, there's no good, nothing good from the other one. Yeah, and, and again, proud to be part of BGN uh, and the sponsors that they provide for podcast, soccer related podcasts here, Roughnecks Carbs, and uh, also. Golden Goal Press. So check them out. Uh, and yeah, uh, you can find our website, orangeandblacksoccercast.com, or if it's too long, ocscpodcast.com. Also find us on Twitter uh, at OCSC underscore soccercast. And look for us on Facebook, Orange and Black Soccercast. Find us on Instagram at OCSC underscore soccercast, or on Pinterest or Pinterest. However you say that, I don't know. We're on there as well. Check, look for us. Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, so for Alan, for Dylan, this is Ray Samora and the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out.
our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.